Broadcasting from Charlotte, North Carolina on Sports Byline USA. Uniting sports fans everywhere, this is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. People want the authenticity, right? They want to know a little bit more. They don't want just the cliches. For the next hour, we will unpack sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Uh, I'm thankful that God has delivered me and he's given me a mouthpiece to be able to, a platform as well to be able to share with different people. Bringing you high energy and thought-provoking sports talk with a purpose. When you're around somebody that has that joy and you can feel it and it's contagious. Um, Every day I ask, you know, what does God have in store for me and how does he want to utilize me in this position that I hold. Now, from his mic to your ears, this is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to Unpacking It. I'm Bryce Johnson right here on Sports Byline USA. Check out our website, unpackingit.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Bryce Radio. And when you go to our website, unpackingit.com, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and you can sign up for the, the daily email that we send out, which, which basically is a, a thought about sports, faith, and life. And just used to encourage and challenge all of us each day. And so if you're new to Unpacking It, we're a show that, that really takes a look at the, the faith side of sports and, and what goes on in people's lives uh, beyond the, the field or beyond the court. And, and so today on the show, we're going to hear the story of Don Beebe. And that name may ring a bell because he, he was a part of six Super Bowl teams and it just has a really cool story of how he made it to the NFL and really against all odds. And now his son is actually playing in the NFL with the Minnesota Vikings. And so you're going to love the conversation that we have with him. And then also at the end of the show, we do a segment called Unpack This. And I'm going to take a look at what it means when a team abandons the run and, and say, all right, they start throwing all, all game and, and, and really how that translates to our own lives when we abandon our prayer life. And, and so we'll see the, the, the relationship between those two things. So, so stick around for that. But up next, we're going to do our segment, I'm Convinced. I've got some thoughts on the new all-star rosters and how they're going to do a draft and how they're going to televise that. And then also some thoughts on Tim Tebow and Duke. It's coming up on Unpacking It. Thanks for being with us right here on Sports Byline USA. More sports, faith, and life coming up on Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. Glad to have you with us right here on Unpacking It. I'm Bryce Johnson on Sports Byline USA. We're a show that unpacks sports, faith, and life. Check out our website, unpackingit.com. Coming up, we'll be joined by former NFL wide receiver Don Beebe. He was a part of six Super Bowl teams and has a, a fascinating story. Later on in the show, we'll do our segment, Unpack This about teams abandoning the run and how that relates to prayer. But right now, we'll do our segment, I'm Convinced, where I'll give you three topics and let you know what I'm convinced of. And we start in the NBA because I'm convinced the NBA All-Star Game draft being televised is a tremendous idea. I can't wait to watch it. 
I can't wait to see the, the, the highest vote getters have the opportunity to pick their all-star team to, to take a look at the, the pool of, of, of 24 players, uh, 22 besides the captains, and, and decide who they want to play with on All-Star Sunday. It's going to be just a, an absolute blast to see the, the, the two captains go, go back and forth. And, and there was some debate on whether or not this should be televised because we might hurt the feelings of, of certain players. And I'm convinced people shouldn't be so worried about hurting the feelings of the last player picked. We're, we're talking about an All-Star player. We're talking about one of the, the, the 25 best players in the NBA. And, and we're concerned that, that he might get picked last and, and it's going to be embarrassing for him. I, I don't see it that way. I, I'm a fan of the NBA. I can look at the rosters and, and figure out, oh yeah, he was probably the last guy chosen by, by the coaches who end up choosing the, 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 the bench players anyway. And so even if, if LeBron, let's say, is the, the captain of the team and, and he picks you know, a, a center in the East or, you know, kind of a defender that, that, that the, the Western Conference wants to put on the, the all-star roster that maybe isn't a big name and isn't in a ton of commercials. That guy's still being recognized as an all-star. And, and I just think it's funny that, that a lot of media members this week were talking about how, how worried they were that, oh, the poor player is going to be picked last. Well, I guess coming from my perspective, I'm convinced that, that being picked last or, or being cut from a team is a tremendous motivator. And I was cut from my middle school football team. And I think about it a lot because it was a defining moment in my life. And it motivated me in a lot of different ways and had a huge impact on me in a positive way. And I can remember growing up, there were times where I was the captain and I was picking teams. There were other times where I got picked last or one of the last guys chosen. And either way, you, you want to you wanna prove to other people, hey, I can do this. I can play I can play better. And and so I think the guy who ends up getting last, I'm convinced he'll end up having a, a great game and and there will be added value to the whole experience because he got picked last. And so good for the NBA to say, "Hey, we're going to show this on TV. It's it's going to be uh you know, highly viewed. Fans are going to flock to TVs to watch this and and to see whether it's Steph Curry and LeBron or Curry and and Durant or LeBron and Durant going back and forth selecting guys. I can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right, number two topic. I'm convinced Hollywood couldn't write a better script than the actual real-life story of Tim Tebow. You you can't make this stuff up. Did did you read this week that, that it looks like Tim Tebow will start spring training as a member of the the AAA affiliate of the New York Mets. Now, he's coming back from a hand injury, but but the expectation is that's the level he's playing at right now, is AAA. That that's the the, the anticipation for next season is is at least the the AAA level in Syracuse. And and so (laughs) there's a chance now with the new GM that he could actually make the, the New York Mets roster. I mean... It, even as I say it right now, I, I can't believe that we're talking about a former Heisman Trophy winner, an NFL quarterback who won a playoff game, who took the league by storm for one season, and then other than that, really struggled and you know kind of got laughed out of the NFL, and, and, and you know, media members were just ripping him, and, and all that kind of thing that took place. Then he gets on TV, he's a star on TV, still is, 
and he's able to cover college football as, as one of the best analysts out there. He, he's written a few books that have had you know, so much impact on a lot of people. He's still one of the most liked athletes in all of sports, and he's been grinding it out in, in minor league baseball and has a sport that he had not played since, I guess, high school and, and is able to get back to this level at this age, which is, is so rare for baseball players to, to peak at this, this late in life. Um, so many guys, you know, they, they give the minor leagues a try for the first couple of seasons, but then they eventually go, all right, yeah, I'm, I'm going to move on. And, and so, so Tim Tebow, right around 30 years old, is, is playing this well in, in baseball? I, I, I can't wait for the movie. And, and, and Hollywood doesn't have to add to it or make anything up because the story is good enough as is. And, and then you throw in how outspoken he is about his faith and his character and his, his integrity and the example that he is for perseverance and, and just being able to go after something. I, I love it. And, and I root for him. And, and I can't wait to see if he's able to make it to the big leagues and, and, and just the, the fan hysteria that will take place and the number of fans that will be really drawn to baseball that, that wouldn't normally follow baseball and, and non Mets fans that will be buying Tim Tebow jerseys and, and all that comes with it. But ultimately it's about him earning that spot. He doesn't want to hand out. And I think that's what makes him special too, is, is that he's, he's worked his way up the last couple of years when a lot of people thought it was just a joke. It was just a publicity stunt. No, this is the real deal. He wants to play baseball. So, so I'm convinced he can do it. I'm convinced he'll, he'll surprise a lot of people, and he already has, and, and people are going to have to eat their words that, that made fun of him early on when he was pursuing this. And, and then also all those people that ripped him just for, for being an NFL quarterback and, and to think that he'd be able to make it professionally in two sports. There's only a few guys that could ever do that. And, and so it's, it's, it's a remarkable story. So I, I love it. I'm pulling hard for him, no doubt about it. All right, last one. I'm convinced this is the most exciting Duke team in years. And, and I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Duke. And, and they made a huge statement this week by blowing out Kentucky. Kentucky was ranked higher than Duke. But I'm convinced it's not about having NBA draft prospects, guys that can dunk, guys that can light it up. It's about championships at Duke. And I'm convinced having the most talented freshman doesn't translate to a championship. And it's not easy to come in year one and get through March Madness and, and win a championship. Now, a few years ago, uh, Jalil Okafor, Justice Winslow, Tyus Jones, those guys were able to come in as freshmen and, and win a championship. But it's not common. Kentucky was able to do that one time as well. But year after year, we've seen now, gosh, it's been almost 10 years where the one and done and, and all these freshmen come in and Kentucky and Duke are going after those you know, guys that end up being drafted in the top five. But if you go down in the tournament in the Sweet 16 and you've got all this talent, what's the point? Because these guys aren't coming back next year, so you're not building on anything. You have to win a championship right now with all these freshmen. Now, it's easy to say in November. Oh, look at all, you know, these highly ranked players. They come in game one. They looked phenomenal. And I'm excited to watch them this season. I can't wait for the next Duke game. But, but as a Duke fan and, 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 and respecting Coach K, it's about championships. Now, it's hard to win every year. 
But but Nick Saban at Alabama, you know that's that's what he's doing. So he he's bringing in top talent, but it's about championships. And and not to say that Coach K isn't pursuing championships. I just think this is a really hard way to go about it because it's hard to get these talented players all on the same page playing this well consistently when they are young, when they are freshmen, and when they're thinking so much about the NBA. So for all those, you know, the people that, that want to think Duke could go undefeated, Duke's going to blow everybody out every game, we have to remember it's not that easy, and, and teams have had loaded freshman classes, and it doesn't always translate. It's a long season. March Madness is hard. So that's what I'm convinced of this week. Let me know your thoughts. Bryce at unpackingit.com. Coming up next, Don Beebe joins us on Unpacking It. More sports, faith, and life coming up on Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. Bringing you unique insight into the faith and character of guests from the sports world. Welcome back to Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. This is Unpacking It. I'm Bryce Johnson on Sports Byline USA. Coming up in just a little bit, uh, I'm going to talk about teams abandoning the run and how that relates to prayer. Encourage you to check out our website, unpackingit.com. Joining us now is former NFL wide receiver Don Beebe. During his nine seasons, he played for the Buffalo Bills, Carolina Panthers, and Green Bay Packers, and was a part of six Super Bowl teams. And he won the Super Bowl in, in Super Bowl 31 with the Green Bay Packers. He wrote a book called Six Rings from Nowhere, A True Story of Faith, of Hope, and of Triumph. We're going to hear all about his journey today. Don, thanks so much for joining us. How are you? Uh, Bryce, it's great to be here. Uh, thanks for having me on. All right. Well, we're, we're psyched to have you, and, and we're going to jump into your story in just a moment. But, but I was just curious, uh, you were known for, for your speed, and, and you came from a, a small school to surprise people in the NFL. And so what, what wide receivers in the league today do you identify with and, and enjoy watching? That, well, actually, they're my son. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I, it's funny you ask that. I, I have to say him, right? Um, no, he's, he's actually uh, a rookie with the Minnesota Vikings, and you know, we're, we're just praying that the Lord just uh, gives him a platform uh, at that level that he can tell his story, too, because he has quite the story himself. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of guys that uh, are just great players. I mean, and I was fortunate to play with some great ones. And um, I just enjoy watching guys that that are humble guys that uh, love to play and to bring all the attention to others than themselves. And uh, I enjoy watching those types of players. Well, well, you mentioned the Minnesota Vikings. Adam Thielen has has been one of the best wide receivers this year, and so I'm sure you, you follow the Vikings closely. What have you thought of of his game and and his unique story? Well, let, let's just talk about both of those guys, actually. You know, Adam and Stefan Diggs. Um, you know, obviously, I, I know a little bit more of the inside of who they are from a character standpoint and, the, and their personalities and because of Chad being his, their teammate. And I can't rave more about those two guys. Um, obviously, they're, you know, both top five in the league, top ten in the league. And Adam, you could say he's number one in the league right now. Yeah, uh, He's putting up stuff that's never been put up, even by Jerry Rice, which is saying something. But they're better, but they're just as good, if not better, really good guys. 
I just remember when Chad scored his first touchdown in the preseason game, who went over and got the game ball for him? And it, it was Stephon Diggs. Wow. I mean, who does that, right? <laughs> so, I mean, that's just, that just tells you the character of those two guys. And Adam has been a real good mentor to Chad. And, and um, I couldn't, as, a, as Chad's father, I couldn't be happier with the organization and the players that he's with right now. Oh, that, that's cool. Well, well, so what's that dynamic been like for you just as a, as a dad but as a former NFL player watching your son and, and, and wanting to, to be an encourager but, but also you know, having the insight of knowing how the NFL works and all that sort of thing? What's that balance and dynamic been like uh, with, with that relationship with your son? Well, it's been great because you know, we talk um, virtually every day, sometimes two or three times a day. Cool. Um, and it's, you know, I just have a, I just have a really special relationship with Chad. Um, I've trained him since he was five. So I was more than just a father. I was also his trainer. I was his high school coach. Uh, so we had a, a different dynamic of just being father, son. And, and I've always told him, you know, listen, when I'm on the field, I'm coach. When I'm in the car driving home, I'm dad, you know? So, <laughs> and, and now, you know, it's just, it's just great to be able to, you know, to see, you know, as college coaches and now professionally, have have that ability to coach the kid that I had when he was younger coaching him um and it's just a thrill for me to it, you know my wife gets really nervous I don't <laughs> I kind of tend to get a little bit more nervous as a dad than I was a player as a player you felt like you were in control of the situation and you could just go out and do your best to, you know when you're sitting in the stands it's a little bit difficult <laughs> that's right but um but I trust him um and I just trust the Lord that um Every time he's had a tough situation, I always say, do you love the Lord? And, and Chad will say, absolutely, Dad. And I said, does he have your back? Of course he does. I said, then what do we got to worry about? Nothing. Amen. And uh, just go out there and be, just, just go out there and do the best that you can be. That's cool. I, I love it. Don Beebe, our guest right now on Unpacking It. He's a former NFL wide receiver and, and really has an incredible football story and, and a faith journey that, that we're going to share today but but anytime you mention the name Don Beebe you, you got to think about the Buffalo Bills and and all those Super Bowl teams that that you were a part of and and sometimes I get I get nervous about the the younger sports fans not recognizing how important and how great those Buffalo teams were during during those years and and so just from from your perspective speaking to kind of this next generation of NFL fans what what do what do they need to know about those those Buffalo teams that, that went to four straight Super Bowls? Uh, oh, a couple of things. One is no team has, has uh, you know, won four in a row, or, I mean, gone four in a row, I should say. Uh, Buffalo's the only team. So when you're the only one to do something, uh, that's pretty special. In NFL history, I mean, that, could, that, that, that holds a lot of weight. Um, I don't think anybody's ever been to three in a row, let alone four. I uh, could be wrong on that. <laughs> but I know there's been a couple of teams that have gone back-to-back, obviously. I always tell people that it's way harder, <clears throat> way harder to go to four Super Bowls in a row than it is to win back-to-back. There's been several teams that have won back-to-back Super Bowls, but nobody's ever been to four. Yep. The second point I would make is look at all the guys now from that organization and that team that are in the Hall of Fame. Mm. The owner, the GM, the head coach, tons of players, Kelly, Thurman, Bruce, I mean, Andre, James. I mean, you just, that was a special team at a special time in a special place. Uh, what we have, I've been a part of a lot of different teams, you know, high school, collegiately, and professionally. What we had in Buffalo was very special, uh, and it was more than just football games. It was family mm. from the top down, and, uh, you know, everybody knew everybody. It didn't matter if you were the equipment guy, the head trainer, the, the assistant trainer, a GA, whatever you want to call it. 
the last player on the team to Jim Kelly. Uh, everybody knew each other, and, and we were family. And you could just see the gathering that was just that Monday night for Thurman Thomas' retirement. I mean, there was it, there was a ton of guys there. It was, the atmosphere was crazy, and it was just really cool um, to be a part of that organization and that team at that time. And and just even today, you you mentioned. Uh, Thurman Thomas being recognized recently. So w- what's the, the bond like today, and, and, and how connected are you to some of those players still still today? Well, I mean, that team is still well-connected. Uh, you know, we, we see each other probably a couple of times a year at different events, and when we get together, it's like we never missed a beat. It's like we're in the locker room every day together again. <laughs> and uh, we still get on each other like we're kids, like we're 25-year-old kids, and and uh, but yet uh, we're all in, engrossed in our lives and know what's going on in the lives. Obviously, especially what's gone on with Jim, yeah. you know, in the last you know two, since 2013. Um, you know, it's just when you're family, that never goes away. No, I mean, it just never goes away. Um, and we are family. And I think there was 24 guys. I believe that's the number that went to all four. And that 24 is pretty close. Um, <laughs> I couldn't make Monday. I felt terrible that I couldn't make it, but my daughter was in a sectional and she's a senior. And, and if they would have lost, um, I would have missed my daughter's last game. I I couldn't have done that as a father. Um, and Thurman understood it. I talked to him earlier that day and he said, beeps, come on, man. Love you. So, um, that's just the type of relationship that all of us have. Oh, that that's awesome. Don Beebe, our guest right now on unpacking it, former NFL wide receiver, bills, Packers, and then also the Carolina Panthers, and and so I want to share your your I want you to share your your story uh, with us today here on unpacking it, and 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 I want to start with at what point did did football become the the path that you were going to to go on? Take us well, kind of back to the beginning. First, I knew it. I knew at seven. Believe it or not, I knew at seven when I gave my heart to to Christ that I wanted to play or do something special in sports. I mean, that was just me as a very young boy, extremely active. When I got home from school, I was out the door playing sports. I mean, I didn't put my thumbs in a video game or, or anything that was indoors. It just was not me. I mean, I was out playing sports. So I knew at seven I wanted to do something. Uh, as I went through high school, I didn't like so much football. I liked it playing in the backyard, but the contact part of it, believe it or not, I was kind of hesitant about. So I didn't want to really go off of football. We weren't very good in our high school. Our high school program was really bad. Um, and then my dad kept forcing me to go off of football. He said, either you're going for football or you're going off for cross country. Well, I'm not, I can't run more than 100 yards, so I was stuck with this football thing. <laughs> and thank goodness for dads that understand biblically how to be a father. Mm. I see so many dads today, you know, forcing their kids to do something when it's not right and it's not, not in the will of God or – keeping them from something that might be where that kid's gift is, Mm. you know? So I see both sides of it. And my dad saw a gift in his son at a very young age. And he said, no, you're going to, you're going to go do this. And so it was my senior year. We got a new coach in at Caneland high school and he instilled the love of football to me. And from that point on, I wanted to play in the NFL. Um, Yeah. So to me, it's just, it's a long story, and I, I know we have some time, so I'm going to kind of give it a short Reader's Digest version of it, Bryce. Yeah, yeah please. Um, because it is a long story, uh, and, and I'm very fortunate nowadays to be able to go out and share this story publicly all along, around the country to businesses and church and functions and whatever it is, 
And I really enjoy that. I mean, it is, and, and, and I say this a lot of times when I speak, there's two fears that I have in life as I was growing up. And one of the fears I've already said was contact getting hit. <laughs> and the second one was public speaking for me as a young kid wow. to pray in front of my family, to stand in front of a classroom would have been virtually impossible. I was so introverted and shy, but God, God knew that he was going to have to change me. Yeah. And he did in both aspects. Um, and now it's become my passion, both of them. Oh, um, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And that's only God, believe me. Well, Don, let, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll continue your story and, and hear all about your, your journey to the NFL and, and, and the faith side of it as well. Don Beebe, our guest right now on Unpacking It. I'm Bryce Johnson. This is Sports Byline USA. The place to hear athletes opening up about their true passions in life. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. Fantasy football is the best. You compete with your friends and family all season long, and when you win, it's so exciting. I have won two rings myself, and as fun as fantasy football already is, what if we played with more purpose and meaning? Well, at Fantasy Football Fellowship, we created a way for you to have league meetings throughout the season to discuss how fantasy relates to our lives and the Bible. Each week, we have content, topics, and questions that allow fantasy owners to connect intentionally with each other and to God. We'll help your league have conversations about fantasy, faith, and life as you go from the draft to the championship. Play fantasy football and change your lives. Sign your league up today at FantasyFootballFellowship.com. Going beyond the field, this is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson on Sports Byline USA. Thanks so much for being with us today on Unpacking It. I'm Bryce Johnson. You're listening to Sports Byline USA, and we're in the middle of a conversation with Don Beebe. And if you missed any part of the interview last segment, uh, be sure to check out our podcast on unpackingit.com and anywhere podcasts are found, and you can subscribe to the podcast uh, so that you never miss anything and, and appreciate everybody that it listens on the radio uh, each week as well. And so, so glad to have you a part of things today. Uh, but man, Don Beebe is such a legend because he's a part of those, those great Buffalo Bills teams that went to four straight Super Bowls. And, and even though they lost, those guys are legends. And so we're, we're hearing the story of Don today. And he, he played wide receiver, played for the Bills, the Panthers, and the Green Bay Packers, was in six Super Bowls because he also uh, won one with the Green Bay Packers and, and went to another one as well. And, and he wrote a book called Six Rings from Nowhere, A True Story of Faith, of Hope, and of Triumph. And, and so we're going we're gonna to pick up the story with, with Don right now as he's making his way into to college football and then ultimately into the NFL. And it's just a crazy story of how God really orchestrated a lot of details and it was very evident in, in his life. And so let's continue the, the story. And, and Don, uh, just pick up right where we left off. I, I out of high school, I, nobody really came after me except a, a Division One, 
2A school at that time was Western Illinois, and they were the only school that gave me a, a full-ride scholarship. And as a father and a parent, I mean, that's everything, getting your kids college paid for. That's right. You know, I, you know 19, who cares, 18, right? Um, <laughs> so I go there. I go down to the two-week camp, and I went at 165 pounds, and it was a really hot summer. Our coach was the ex-Marine drill sergeant. This was his first year coaching football, and it was like going to boot camp, and, and it was just it was awful experience. Still probably, arguably, the worst two weeks of my life. I lost 21 pounds. I couldn't eat. I was homesick. I was, I could, it was just a, an awful experience. Now, a lot of that was is I wasn't ready really to leave home to go away to college. Uh, I wasn't ready for the college scene. I was, I was girl sick. You know, I've uh, been dating this girl my junior year in high school. met her in kindergarten. She's now my <laughs> wife of four kids. So, oh, I, love it. I mean, I left. Yeah, I know, crazy. I left. Went back home and, uh, and, and jo- dropped out of school completely for three years. Wow. I mean, I know, crazy. And then after three years, I felt that itch to go back because I had such a bad taste in my mouth after that two weeks. I had an itch to go back and play this football, and I felt the Holy Spirit keep saying, go back, go back. And I was like, Lord, what do I do? Where do I go? Hmm. Well, out of the blue, Western Illinois calls me back three years later. Now, who does that? I mean, think <laughs> about that for a second. Why did they call the first year or the second year? Well, God knew I wasn't ready. Hmm. And, but third year, the three years later, the, the coach calls me and tells me, you know, he, they'd like to have me back. But he said, you only have two years left because my eligibility clock had started. And I didn't know that. Oh. So I went back for the two-week camp again in 1986 because I graduated from high school in 83. And they told me I was ineligible for lack of transfer credit hours because I picked up some night classes at a JUCO. And, again, I didn't know that. So now I had to leave that school go back the spring of that following year with now only one year of eligibility hmm. with a passion and dream to play in the NFL. Now, give me a break, right? <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. So I played, I, I landed up getting um, uh, the starting job during the spring drills, and my NFL career actually started before my college career ever got off the ground. Whoa. I had a pro scout come through Western Illinois, and it was pro day, combine day, and before I had ever played, okay, they were running the 40-yard the dash, you know, the guys that were going to be seniors. Well, that was me. I wasn't even invited. I just happened to walk out of class, walked into Western Hall where they were running on the indoor track. Again, Holy Spirit leading me into that facility yeah. because I wasn't even invited. And so I went up and asked the coach what was going on, and he told me, five scouts in the NFL are here doing, you know, timing guys that are going to be seniors in the 40. I said, well, man, I'd like to do it. It'd be kind of crazy. It would be awesome, you know. And coach said, well, you're not on any film, Don. You know, it's no big deal. And I said, no, I'd really like to do it. It'd be kind of cool. So he asked the Dallas scout, and the Dallas scout says, yeah, let him run. Who cares? I was in jean shorts and sandals, typical <laughs> college attire, okay, in a tank top. Uh, and they were not going to let me go back to my dorm room and get my shoes, my running shoes, and they weren't even going to let me warm up. So I kicked off my sandals and jean shorts without warming up, got in line, and I ran down the track, pitter-pattering barefoot, and ran a 4-3-2. Uh, and that – set the all-time record on that track. Now, at that time, Bryce, I had never been timed before, so I had no idea what I could run. Wow. And after I got done, that scout with a star on his chest came rocking right over to me and saying, what's your name? I said, Don Beebe. Don Beebe, what number are you on film? I said, well, I'm a 50-year senior. I've never played before. And he starts laughing. And he shows me the watch. He says, I've been doing this 21 years. I've never timed anybody that fast on my watch. Man. He says, well, keep your eye on you. So that's when my NFL career actually started. Again, God. Oh. Okay, the Lord just opening the door. 
So I had a great year at Western, but then I had a decision. Was I going to enter the draft or go to an NAI school, really small schools in the country, which I knew nothing about. Mm. But I had to transfer within that three-week Christmas break to be eligible for the next fall. Whew. Crazy story. Yeah. I decided I was going to go one more year because I was probably – free agents just don't hardly ever make it. Mm. Hardly. Okay. Uh, and I might even not guaranteed even a free agent shot up until this point. So the Lord led me to this place called Shatter, Nebraska. I never knew where Nebraska was. Being for, from Chicago, I, did, I knew Nebraska was west, okay, but I had to get out my atlas. Of course, they were road atlases back then, um, right. and see where Nebraska was. And it was, you know, I was looking around Omaha and Lincoln and used to, you know, all kinds of things, you know, like movie theaters and just people in general. But no, it was in the northwest corner, south, two hours south of Mount Rushmore in the middle of nowhere, Nebraska. And I was like, oh, my gosh, there's no way I'm going out there, coach, you know, because he called me and asked me if I'd go. And the reason I went out there is he recruited me when he was at Western Illinois five years previous. And now he's the head coach out of Shadron. Mm. And, and I said, coaches, there's no way I'm engaged to be married. Now it's 15 hours away from home. I can't do that. I, I, I got to go to a school that is a, you know, the NFL Mecca, right? That they're going to notice me. Well, how in the world is anybody going to get noticed from Shadron state, Nebraska? Uh -huh. Only God. Uh -huh. Okay. Only God. So I go out there, complete faith that the Lord was going to take care of me and my wife we had no job, we had uh, no income, we had no place to live when we trekked out there, but we had complete faith that God was going to take care of everything. And before we woke up, an elderly lady knocked at our window of our door to our car because we were in the car spending the night in a car in the football parking lot because we didn't have any money to buy a hotel room. Oh. So she, she was the nicest lady we still probably have ever met. She <laughs> found us a job because she owned the drugstore with her, her husband downtown and a place to live, uh, what they call mother-in-law houses of a friend of hers. And before we woke up, God took care of all that. Oh. And, and so I had a great year at Shadron, okay? And, and then they were coming up and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, Lord, I mean, I don't know what to do. I mean, I'm done with football, but I want to play in the NFL. You know, the Lord just opened a door, and I'm willing to walk through it. Well, lo and behold, a guy by the name of Bill Giles, who was a combine scout, not for one team specifically. Mm. He's a combine scout, which his job is to go around the country, and his, job, and his region was the Midwest, to help find the top 300 players in all of college football. Now, it's all the Division I big programs, SEC, Big Ten, you name it, and, yes, the NAI Shadron States. <laughs> and to invite those guys, the top 300, to the big show in Indy where all the GMs, the personnel of every NFL team at 28 NFL teams at that time back in 1989 – are going to go to the big show in the dome, of the, which was called the Hoosier Dome, then in Indianapolis. How in the world a guy from Shadron named Don Beebe, looking like me, going to get invited to this thing? Only God. Mm. And so a couple weeks later, he put, in, he put me through a workout until his dying day. He never told me what it was, what I ran or anything, but he looked at me at the end of the workout and he said, Don, I've been doing this 32 years. He's an older guy, obviously. And he said, this is the best workout I've ever put a guy through. Wow. He said, how am I going to get you invited to the Combine? I have no idea, but I'm going to give you the highest recommendation I've ever given any player. Whoa. And I was like, man, I mean, thank you. You know, so two weeks later, two weeks later, I get this letter from the NFL inviting me to the combine. I mean, come on, tell me that's not the Lord, oh. you know? So I go to this combine, complete unknown. Nobody even knew who I was. I mean, I was talking to some teams through letters, which is this form stuff. I mean, they really don't even know you, but I go in there and I didn't know that I needed an agent. I didn't know I, I, didn't, I didn't have an agent. I didn't know what an agent really was. <laughs> <laughs> and my roommate was Mike Barber at a Marshall University. Mm. Okay, so I go to the room, and then all of a sudden somebody knocks on the door. It's the concierge of the hotel. 
and they had two shoe boxes, Nike shoe boxes. And he goes, these are from Mike Barber. And I said, oh, okay. So I took them to Mike and he, I go, what are those? Oh, those are the track shoes. I'm going to run the 40 in tomorrow. I was like, oh, agent, track shoes? What are you talking about? Oh. He goes, you don't have any agent? You don't have any shoes? He goes, what are you going to wear tomorrow? And I looked down at my feet and I said, well, these are the shoes I walked in the building. These are my old high school fishing shoes, oh. old ASIC fishing shoes. Oh, my gosh. I said, that's what I'm going to run in. He goes, you got to be kidding me. He said, here, have one of mine. He was a size 12. I'm nine and a half. Oh. That's never going to happen. <laughs> so my dilemma, Bryce, was on my right sole, and I wish I would have kept one thing from my whole story, was these shoes. Oh. The right sole on my right foot, it was halfway, the sole was halfway unglued. So when I walk, it flopped. Oh my goodness. So my dilemma was, was I going to wear a rubber band, try to rip the sole off? I chose to just run it flopping. Well, I ran a flopping 40 and I ran a 425. Oh. And at this time, I did not know this, okay, until Bill Polian, who used to be the head of Bledsoe, who used to run the combine years ago. Oh, yeah. He told me this five years after I was retired, he told me this. He says, Don, he says, and I was at the combine sitting with him at the box with him and Tony Dungy, and we're just talking. And he goes, hey, Beebs, you know you still hold the record. And this was like in 2003 or whatever. I said, record? I said, what do you mean? He goes, the 40-yard dash. I said, what? He said, yeah, you and Dion ran a 425 in 1989. That record still stands. Yeah. I said, you got to be kidding me. I did not know that. Uh. Now, the reason I bring that up is certainly not to say anything about me, but just to say what God did for me. I mean, what an amazing Incredible. feat of a kid that came from nowhere, running the fastest 40 time in NFL history with a flopping fishing shoe. I mean, that's crazy, <laughs> you know? So to say the deal, you know, when I got home, Bryce, I mean, the LA Raiders was LA at that time. And the Green Bay Packers were literally on my doorstep of a, of a, you know, a place that was like, you know, 600 square feet. It was just a Munlaw house. They were on my doorstep. How they found the place is, <laughs> you know, amazing thing in itself. That's, right. that's a miracle. And I had, yeah, so there's 28 teams, like I said. I had 21 personal workouts. You know, guys today, and even, even during that time, you had one. You had one workout, and they were all there. Yep. No, 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 no. I had 21, and I was there, wow. you know. Um, and I was running times. And the fastest time I ever ran was a 4-2-1 by the Jets and, uh, during those workouts. And then I landed up being the first pick in the 1989 draft by the Buffalo Bills in the third round. They didn't have a first or second round pick that year. So I was their first pick. Man. And I look at kids today and I tell them, I said, listen, if I can do it, why can't you? I said, you know what the problem sometimes with is we limit the Lord. We limit God. Mm. God's a big God. He can do anything he wants at any time he wants. You just have to go do it, work hard, and let him open those doors. And if he shuts the doors, then go find the next one. You know, but you just got to stay with it and never, never quit. And, uh, and that's what I tell people on stages today. That's incredible. What a story. Don Beebe, our guest right now on Unpacking It. He went on to play nine seasons in the NFL, and he went to six Super Bowls. He won one with the Green Bay Packers, Super Bowl 31. And uh, he, he wrote a book all about this story, and he, he goes into even more detail. It's called Six Rings from Nowhere, A True Story of Faith, of Hope, and of Triumph. Gosh, I, I could talk to you all day, and I'm, I'm, I'm so encouraged myself just, just hearing your story and, and just the, the value of, of sharing our story and what God's done in us and through us, and, and it's evident that, that he's, uh, he's had his hand on your life, and uh, it's so cool to hear. He's Don Beebe, and, and Don, really appreciate you being a part of Unpacking It today, and, and thanks for, for being open and sharing your story, and uh, really, really cool to talk to you. Anytime, Bryce. Thank you for having me on. He's Don Beebe. This is Unpacking It. Coming up next, we've got our final segment for the day. We call it Unpack This. 
And today's topic is about teams abandoning the run a little too early and and how that relates to us abandoning prayer when we're facing difficulty in life. It's next right here on Unpacking It. Inspiring conversations and intriguing interviews. More Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson after this. Final segment here on Unpacking It today. It's where I take a current sports story and relate it to the Bible and our own lives. We call it Unpack This. And so let's jump right in. So one of the sayings we hear football coaches say is, we need to establish the run. This means that early in the game, they need to get their running back consistent carries. But oftentimes, a team struggles in the run game, gets impatient, and starts throwing on most downs. The holes aren't opening up, or they aren't gaining as many yards as they hoped, or the deficit on the scoreboard seems too large. At this point, the team abandons the run. The problem is, even when it seems like they aren't gaining any traction on the ground, the entire offense suffers when a team gives up on the run instead of remaining persistent. I think in many ways, this provides a picture of our prayer life, specifically during a difficult time. We start off praying passionately, knowing we need God to come through for us, provide and deliver. Early on, we establish a solid prayer life as we consistently seek God for answers. But oftentimes, it seems like we're hitting a wall. Holes aren't opening up. We're not getting the yardage we hoped we would, and our deficit seems too large. Instead of utilizing the power of prayer, we abandon our communication with God and our impatience shifts our attention elsewhere. We then put all the pressure on ourselves to make plays instead of persistently running to him in prayer and trusting him. As hard as it is when our circumstances don't change right away and we feel like our prayers aren't working, we must remain committed to the run. We can't give up, but continue to turn to God and hand off our worries, fear, and concerns. The Bible implores us to be persistent and devoted to prayer, being alert and focused in your prayer life with an attitude of thanksgiving. Today, let's not abandon our prayer game when it gets tough. Instead, let's persistently turn back to God, trusting that he is preparing us for a breakthrough. So I hope you're willing to unpack that. Thank you so much for joining me today, and I hope you'll stay connected with us throughout the week on social media and on unpackingit.com. If you have any thoughts about today's show or want to get in touch with me, you can email me, Bryce, at unpackingit.com. Until next time. I'm Bryce Johnson, and I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sins. He was resurrected, and through faith, I have been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a wonderful week. This has been Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson on Sports Byline USA. 